Welcome, everybody. This is Bitch Breathe, and my name is Ricardia. I'm so happy you're joining me for our new episode. Today, I want to talk about one of those things that, well, are ubiquitous, I want to say. So we're going to talk about money. And in the spiritual realm, in the mainstream sort of Wall Street realm, there's all sorts of beliefs and I want to say even myths or um, tendencies about money. And, you know, whether you grew up in a religious background or an agnostic or just completely absent of spirituality, everyone has their ideas about money. And so me, I grew up in a Christian household. So I remember this story in the Bible, if I can paraphrase heavily because I haven't read a Bible in many, many years. But there's this parable, I think Jesus tells this story, or somebody important in the Bible does, that a rich guy has as much of a chance of getting to heaven as a camel has of fitting through the eye of a needle. So already there's this limitation, right? You can't go to heaven, you can't be a good person, you won't be seeing Jesus or whoever your god goddess is on the other side if you are materially rich. I'm sure there are many interpretations to what this person, I'm guessing it must be Jesus because it sounds like him, <laughs> said. Um, but that was sort of my interpretation that I walked away with as a child. And then there's this other idiom. I'm not even sure it exists in English because I first heard it in German, but I'm going to go ahead and translate it. And that idiom is, if you want to know what God thinks of money, take a look at whom he gives it to. So again, basically this negative connotation of rich people are essentially bad. And I'll get back to that one in a minute because it's huge on my radar. But I just wanted to point out just how many beliefs and stories we have around money, who earned it, who deserves it, who doesn't, why is it there, how did we get here in the first place? So you could probably have 10 episodes, 100 episodes about this, and you would still not be dumb. But today I want to talk about it a little bit in the spiritual context of energy and what it is that we believe around this, what we call energy, the money. So that's why this episode is called Get Rich or Die Spiritual. Should have put a question mark behind that one because we're going to look at it. So the first thing that I sort of thought about when I was starting to put together my ideas for the episode was this whole either or illusion, right? You, you're you either rich or a good person. You either know how to do business or you're a total loser, or you either go and work in an NGO and never have money, or you work in the free market and have an actual chance at being rich. But depending on what the decision is you make, you've already bought into a whole realm of ideas around it and limiting beliefs, as we like to refer to them. And illusions even. So this whole dichotomy of either or already feels so fake and so wrong because let's face it, when you really look at nature or natural cycles of life, like how things develop, it's not always an either or. It can be at times, of course, but I think the either always has the potential for the or, meaning the other scenario, and the or has the um, potential for either, meaning each of them contains the other. And in the spiritual traditions, even if we're not in a Chinese spiritual tradition, we often talk about the yin and yang of things and that emblem 
that that um, signifies where, you know, it's this black and white circle of waves. They look like teardrops, maybe even. And each of those teardrops contains the color of the other. So um, this whole idea of either or, I find, is like one of the major sort of boulders that stand in our way of being able to receive a holistic experience and receiving the whole spectrum of life, which can also mean abundance, what we like to call abundance in spirituality because we're so afraid of the word money, but we'll get to that one later too. So cleaning up with the either-or illusion for me has been one of the first steps. A second one, this is something I didn't actually notice until many years after the experience. So I've been really poor as a child. I've lived very comfortably And then I usually, mostly, still now, wing it in between freelance and part-time work, right? And sort of live in an okay lifestyle. But when I was growing up, we were really not very wealthy at all. We uh, lived in a really small apartment. My mom was a single mom. And I was, uh, you know, growing up in this very working-class neighborhood, first in England and then in Germany, And then I got a scholarship to this boarding school. And this boarding school, (laughs) I often say that the longest trip I've ever taken in my life was the train ride from my home in a very uh, working class coal mining town in Germany to the south of Germany, which is like, hello, (laughs) it's like this whole other world there, right? And that's where the boarding school was located. And people were rich. I mean, not just well off, not just they got their little house somewhere. No, they were very, very wealthy. They belonged to some of the wealthiest people on the continent. They still do. And I often notice a lot of things about them. I could do a whole nother story just on that school or 10. But there's one thing I really admired about them, and I still do to this day, is there something about very wealthy people, especially if the wealth has been carried on through several generations. And it took me a while to realize what it was. Is it just confidence? Is that the, is it that they have this head start that they can go to all the great colleges? You know, it's like Harvard University, who cares? We'll get you in. We don't have legacy there. Let's just buy them something. I don't know if that if that's how Harvard works, but in my in my mindset, it, it did or it does. Um back then. But what I'm trying to get at is it's not that. It's that there was no doubt that they deserved this wealth. There was no doubt that their parents or their family or whoever had earned this standard of living. And whether it's true on a moral level, I'm obviously not qualified to judge that. I don't know that. And I don't know what they have coming or what they don't. But I like the idea of not having doubt that you deserve where you are right now, right? And I don't mean this in a negative sense, like if you're poor, then you deserve to be there. That's not what I mean. I mean, operating from a consciousness of, yes, it's absolutely okay to be this wealthy person. I know that that is not always easy for all of us. I know it's not for me. And we'll get to that in in a couple of steps. But for the moment, just injecting this idea that this is absolutely as it should be. If you're wealthy right now, then that is, that is absolutely where it should be. You have no doubt. We can talk about the other part later, but I loved this energy. Another thing I was thinking about 
is all the spiritual traditions and what their stance on money is. And for many of them, at least from my interpretation, and maybe I don't know enough, but a lot of times I felt like poverty was almost elevated to a state of nobility. So not having enough, not wanting too much for yourself was a noble thing. And I remember the longer I was learning yoga and teaching yoga and reading all these things, and the more I thought about my childhood, where also, again, the Christianity thing, poverty is noble, I thought, what the hell is that all about? Like, why? Why do I have to suffer? In what kind of world or, you know, metaphysical world does God, goddess, want me to be poor? And how is that alone a noble thing? Because let me tell you, I've met plenty of poor people who are not very noble at all, who are not nice people, who are miserable where they are, by the way, not just because they're poor, but maybe also, and who aren't just genuinely people you want to be around. So if that is true, then the opposite must be true too, that you can be very wealthy and a kind person. There has to be a way for that. Um, I refuse to think that these two things mutually exclude each other. And so speaking of one of these traditions, Kabbalah, uh, for example, where I looked into um, this kind of concept because they talk about it a lot. And what I loved about them is that they thought, listen, if, if wealth is what you want, you need to build a vessel that is big enough to hold all that abundance you want. But what they add to that, which is really, really a nice thought, and maybe it's something for you, maybe it isn't, is that you do, however, share what it is that you're earning, right? That doesn't mean give away all your stuff. Again, the poverty nobility thing, no. But it means to keep what they call a circuitry going. So the more you earn, the bigger that vessel becomes, the more you receive what is coming to you, the more you are invited to share that because that's what will keep the circuitry going. And I thought that was a really nice idea, especially for those of us who might struggle with being wealthy because we think it's not so cool and it's not fair. What about being wealthy and sharing and keeping this circuitry going, especially when we think of money in terms of energy? Maybe that's a nice little um, way to go about having a lot of abundance. In tandem with what I said, I want to get to my next point, and that is the false humility around money. And I have to say, I mostly find this in women. Maybe men struggle with this as much. It just doesn't seem as visible to me. But this whole idea that, oh, I don't need anything, um, no, I don't want that, or it's like, what? Why? Why aren't you asking for these things? Do you think at the end of the day, again, there's a reward or a medal because you didn't ask for what you actually, when you really ask yourself, truly deserve? I'm not talking Gucci bags or Fendi bags. Maybe that's your thing. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not here to say what it is we buy with our money and whatnot. I mean the idea that we, as women, specifically as women, forego rights and privileges all by ourselves. We were taught to be that maybe, to sort of, you know, put ourselves in the background for the family, you know, raise those children, be that rock behind our husbands or, or spouses, whatever that is, that antiquated notion that I do, however, still find it's alive and kicking in 2021. And if that's your, if that's your gig, totally go for it. But if you're playing 
false humility. If you're playing small because you think it's the right thing to do, you're already not operating from a place of authenticity, right? You're already sending out mixed signals to the universe. Because really, to be honest, I would love to be so wealthy that I could have my personal yoga teacher every day. More, actually, since I'm dreaming right now, I want someone who cooks for me. I want someone who comes in every day or three days a week and prepares all my healthy meals for my family and I. Maybe for you it's something else, but that's what I want. That's what I want. And I used to be so afraid of saying that because I was like, come on, girl, you have everything. You've got food, sex, and shelter, as my Irish friend used to say. You know, don't ask for more because if you ask for more, you're being greedy and God will not look kindly upon you wanting all that stuff. I don't think so. I really don't. And I'm hoping that by saying this out loud to you that maybe if this is something you also share this what I think is an illusion that you also find spaces for yourself to allow yourself to not be so falsely humble when the situation isn't really calling for it. Hmm, My next point, this one we might all be a little familiar with. So there's nothing inherently dirty or vulgar about money. But I would have disagreed with you about that for the longest of times. I look at the very, very richest people on this planet and I'm like, what the fuck? What is going on here? How in the world is it okay for a a Jeff Bezos to earn even more money during Corona while everybody else's lives is going to hell. No one knows what's happening. And this guy is earning more money. Sometimes I sat there and I would discuss this with my son-in-law because he um, would bring it up and think how unfair it was. And I, I have to agree. I'm like, man, this is just 10 times of shitty. And like, how is that even cool? So that is one thing, and that's definitely something we have to ask ourselves and definitely look at how is there a way to create more justice and actionable steps towards equality. This, you know, listen to my last podcast, if you, uh, my last episode, if you like, on, uh, on Women's Day, where I talk a little bit about this subject, but I'm not going to actually get into it just now. Because I just want to say that, yes, there are people where we're just like, this can't be happening. They can't be earning this much money. That's disgusting and blah, blah, blah. But the money itself, that's the point I want to make, does not have to be this vulgar and primitive energy or deal maker or, you know, dirty little secret that we have. Money itself, per agreement, which how fantastically crazy that is, a whole nother subject. But per agreement, it's something we exchange for goods and services, for things we believe have value, have this much value, five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever it is, a thousand, right? But inherently, even though it's a crazy agreement we've made, it's not a dirty thing. So just to sort of get that in our head in the spiritual realm I'm talking specifically now, is that just because you teach people about their emotions, because you help them heal themselves, maybe even, if, if it really goes that far. If you are able to guide them through a process, doesn't even have to be suffering. Maybe they just want to get to their next spiritual level. It doesn't mean you don't have to ask for money. 
right? Money itself is not dirty. It's just something that as a world we agreed upon and you got to pay your rent. Come on, you got to raise your children. You got bills to pay. You need money. So let's get rid of this idea that the money itself as an energy is contaminated. And around that, there's a lot of semantics. Like I just said, money is energy. And, you know, we can call it energy or pricing or our fees or whatever it is that we refer to this energy as. If you're afraid of naming your value, then you need to return to the drawing board and ask yourself, what would you pay for you? This one, I'm going to be very honest, I still struggle with. I have an incredibly hard time trying to figure out what the services and goods I provide are worth. Maybe I take money too personally, like whatever it is you're paying me, that means that that is how much you appreciate me, and there is some truth to that. But mainly, I just struggle to find a price. It's like, well, wh what is that worth? But I found if I use this little guide of what would I have paid in this situation to another person to help me out here, to guide me through something, to teach me. Or, like I said before, what would you pay for you? And sort of stepping outside of you for a moment and looking at the kind of service you provide. If you're a coach, for example, and you help people with their business and you really get them to the next level, they're going to be very successful and very grateful. So, Look at that and see what can your price be. Now, I'm not talking about these crazy coaches who are asking for like, I don't know, six-digit numbers, and then you're all pumped and hyped up for the weekend, and then Monday comes around, you're like, yes, that was a great investment. I'm so going to be like taking this shit to the next level. Tuesday rolls around, you kept about two tools of that workshop. By the time Wednesday rolls around, you're like, wait, what coaching, right? I don't mean those. I mean really looking at the substance of what it is that you provide, that you bring, and then trying to find a price around that. And I'm sure there are friends in your circle of, of people, or maybe there's a coach or whatever it is who can help you with that. But do make an effort to establish what your value is. Alrighty, last one. I picked up this little phrase the other day. I don't know, I was listening to some sort of podcast. No, I was on Clubhouse. And um, this person said, well, you either brand or you get branded. So brand or be branded was her claim. And even though that's a very typical little marketing speak thing, I thought I like that because you can transfer it to what we're talking about now, which is evaluate yourself or be evaluated, right? So taking the helm here of our own life, of our own financial situation, and deciding that we want to call the shots on what our pricing or our value is. Now, before this gets too coachy or markety speak with the value and the price and stuff and all the talk that's going on about that, I want to say one last thing. And that is that whatever it is you decide to do, that it not come from this sort of idea that you have to make money, right? Like money is the thing. I need money. Like, so you're not operating from a place of scarcity. You're not just focusing on money as money, but that we're operating from a consciousness of what is it I truly believe is fair and is justified for me, right? Or whatever, whatever it is so that you're operating from a point of authenticity. I guess that's what I'm trying to say versus, you know, 
just making money by all means or or getting fixated on this idea of this coach is earning so much, so I should probably be earning this. Stepping away from all this like busy white noise around money, money, money and really going inside, finding that quiet moment and understanding and appreciating who you are and what it is you bring to the table. All right. Money, 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 money. (laughs) That was the get rich or die spiritual. So as you can see, my answer is not either or. It's not get rich or die spiritual. It's maybe get rich and also share. I think that would be my, um, in Germany, they have a Wort zum Sonntag, my, uh, (laughs) my word of the day. I hope you're well. I hope you're abundant. I hope you're rich and you share and you feel good about it. And if not, that we're all on our way to getting there. Thank you for listening and stay well, stay abundant. (laughs) 